If you have a Bible with you, you can open to the first chapter of Romans, the first chapter of Romans. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come and how grateful we are to be here this morning, how grateful we are to be able to worship and to praise and to lift up your name. We're asking now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be glorified in our lives, that Lord, you would be magnified in all that we do. We pray in the name of Jesus that as we gather around a, a computer or a phone or a screen today, that you would reach through and that that word, O oh God, would hit our hearts and it would plant a seed in us that will bring forth fruit to the glory of God. And may you be magnified above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. Paul writing, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The message I want to share with you this morning I've entitled, No Apologies, No Apologies Needed. Uh, in a world of 24-hour news coverage, there's always something being said or done that's going to offend someone. With the proliferation of social media, uh, the more you post, the more likely you are to say something or do something that eventually you are going to regret. And the new trend is, is now that folks will comb through your social media history and people who want to discredit you will try to find a post or a tweet or a pic or some type of thing that you may have liked that can now be used against you. And depending on how grievous it is, it can completely ruin your life. Even if it happened 20 years ago and you have now changed your view on something. It's impossible to change your view on something. You know that, right? Whatever you thought when you were 15 is what you think when you're 45. Is that how it works? I don't think so. But that's the problem now with this apology uh, culture that we live in. Many people will try to apologize for the event. We've seen it happen. We've seen people get disparaged in the media. They'll apologize for whatever it was they said, whatever it was that they did. But still, the social media outrage mob will stone you because of what you did 20 years ago. Now, let's just be honest. I believe that the world has become a little thin-skinned. It does seem like, that though it's hard, it, it's hard to have a conversation with someone that you disagree with without it becoming personal. I know that all of us probably know someone that if you disagree with them about an issue or a situation, that means that you have a problem with them personally. With so much emphasis on how we feel, opposing ideas many times are viewed as mean or as insensitive. If you say something that is in disagreement with what I think is true, then you're just being mean or you're being insensitive to me. And the media many times will pick a narrative and any opposing idea therefore gets labeled as dangerous or evil. If what you see or what you believe does not agree with the driving media uh, ideas, then you are labeled as dangerous or, or evil. And so it comes down to this. It doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters how it makes someone feel. It only makes If it makes me feel good, then that's what should be said, not the truth of the matter. But I will agree with this. I need to say this also. I do believe that the world needs a little bit of civility. Amen. It needs a little bit of humility. 
And as the people of God, we should be marked by a desire to cling to the truth while caring about people. We can't say that we love people and love God and not care about how it makes people feel when we interact with them or when we consider where they're standing. It takes honesty. It takes humility to admit when we are wrong. There are some people that are never wrong. I understand that. And especially on social media. I am never wrong. I will link you to this page that shows you that I'm right that was written by some 15-year-old in his mother's basement. Which means we need to be able, though, at some time in our life to recognize when we need to apologize. Speaking the truth in love is what the Bible has always called us to do. The Bible has called us to speak the truth, but the Bible has always called us to speak it with an attitude of love. And if we're speaking the truth and not speaking it in love, then we are not obeying what Scripture has called us to do. So I do agree with the fact that even though our world sometimes revolves around this constant apology culture, we do need some civility in our lives. We do need to be people who actually are concerned about folks. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that there have been times in my life, I know, it's hard to believe, that I've said things that has offended someone. I know that I have said things that I wish... I would have never said. I'm sure that there are many of you watching this that would agree with me. You may have even said it this morning. But in a world where apologies abound or where apologies might even be lacking, there is a message, folks, that needs no apology. And it is the message of the gospel. And I say that because, especially during this crisis time, this this situation that we're in, I see a lot of people who are kind of mockingly talking about where is God during times of tragedy, during times of pandemics, during times of of hard times. But we have to realize that the message of the gospel is still the same. Whether Whether we're on mountaintops or valleys, whether we are being blessed or we are fighting battles, the message of the gospel is the same. And I want you to hear that here this morning. That today, even in the middle of the hard times of our lives, there's no apology needed for the message of the gospel. We'll talk about that throughout this sermon. Paul tells the Romans here at the beginning of this chapter of this very, very powerful book that he was called to be an apostle and separated unto the gospel of God. That's one thing that we need to get down on the inside of our hearts. It is God's gospel. It is the gospel that has originated from God. It's the source, uh, its source is God. So truth is rooted in him. It is a gospel that is promised, Paul says, by the prophets. And it's concerning Jesus Christ. That's another thing we need to get down in our heart. If the message of the gospel is not about Jesus, it's not the gospel. We need to preach Christ and Him crucified, the Bible says. Paul says, it is a gospel that declares Jesus to be the Son of God with power. It is a gospel of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of holiness. It is a gospel that is rooted in the power of the resurrection that validated Jesus for who he is. It is a gospel that says through Jesus we have received grace and our purpose. And that grace and peace come from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul emphatically says here in this passage of scripture that we read this morning that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel that is of God, that is concerning Jesus, that validated Christ through the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who will believe. And so what that means is, folks, 
that there is no more important message that the world needs to hear than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no more important message. There is no more important video you could watch. There is no more important book you could read than that which proclaims to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is a message that literally carries the weight of eternity. It is a message that reveals the very heart of God to our world. And this gospel message is a revelation of truth that changes the hearts of everyone who will believe. If you will believe, this gospel will radically change your life. But what we find, folks, is that truth by its very nature can be offensive. Anytime we hear truth, it automatically requires something of us, some type of response. Now, most of the time, if I say something that's true to someone and I'm complimenting them, we like to hear that. But if I say something that's true to someone that might hit a little bit harder, many times there's a little bit of pushback. Because truth by its very nature is not really concerned about how we feel. Truth by its very nature is only concerned with truth itself. And so in a world that puts so much emphasis on safe places and trigger warnings and microaggressions and non-offensive talk, the gospel can be dangerous. The gospel can be dangerous. And here's the thing. It's understandable that a world that is antagonistic toward God would see the dangerous message of the gospel, would see the reason why maybe it should not be believed. But unfortunately, many Christians have felt the need to apologize for this message. We have felt the need to apologize for the dangerous claims of Jesus and the demands that the gospel makes upon our lives. Because the gospel is not just stories. We're not just talking about a story. This is, this is not Jack and the Beanstalk. This is the reality of God revealing his heart to a broken and hurting world and the cure to that sin. So why do we feel the need to apologize? Because it's hard to stand for gospel truth many times when the world is going in the opposite of direction. It's understandable that it's hard for us to take a stand for what we believe is gospel truth when it's not matching up with the media narrative. It's not easy to proclaim a message to a world that is spiritually antagonistic against it. The gospel is light, and therefore it exposes darkness. So darkness is going to fight against it because it does not want to be exposed. The gospel is sharp, it's cutting, it's challenging. It demands something of us. It pulls us towards light. And the world and its mass media assault on our spiritual senses will pull at our resolve to cling to the gospel. The harder that we cling to the Bible, the more we are mocked. The more we are told we are outdated and antiquated. That you're hanging on to a book that no longer is relevant or required. Sometimes it's just easier to go along with the crowd than it is to live by our convictions. And many times it does come down to that. We have to choose between the crowd and our convictions. We have to choose between what everyone else is doing and what Christ has called us to do. Sometimes the walk of sanctification is lonely. Sometimes the walk of sanctification requires us to set ourselves apart. And sometimes that means we will be mocked. We will be made fun of. We will be told we're uptight. We will be told that we are fun killers. Because then we're talking about what will people think of me. I don't want to come across as too radical. I don't want to come across as someone who doesn't know how to have fun. I want to have fun. It's all about having fun. Maybe if it wasn't so demanding. 
Maybe if we could just water it down just a little bit to make it a little more palatable. You know, it's like when we invite someone to church and we're always like, I hope they don't act too goofy at church this morning. You know, I've finally got so-and-so to come to church and I'm hoping that nobody says anything or sings anything or Mark doesn't preach anything that gets on somebody's nerves, right? So we're concerned about how people look at us. What are they going to say? And we act like, I mean, that this is only something that teenagers deal with, but we deal with this through our entire lives. We put on a face when we're at church. We put on another when we're around our unsaved friends because we want to be that person that fits in because somehow the world has defined for the church what it means to have fun or what it means to enjoy life. When in reality, the gospel gives us the cure to what it actually means to enjoy the fullest of life. What will they think of me? We have to choose sometimes between convictions and crowd. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. And this verse is as relevant today as it was when Paul wrote it. How can a message of grace and peace be dangerous? How can a message of grace and peace be offensive? It sounds like rainbows and unicorns and marshmallows. We're all going to dance and run through fields of posies. It's grace and peace. Wonderful. We're all one of these days going to give high fives again. But why? Why is this message dangerous? Why is this message offensive? And Paul tells us, because it's the way of the cross. It's the message of the cross. The cross and all of its brutality and all of its ugliness and all of its horror shows the world a mixture of God's love and God's wrath. If you continue to read Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, he goes into the revelation of God's wrath upon the world. There are three give-ups of God in Romans chapter 1. That as hearts turn to idols and other things to satisfy them, which is where our hearts will always go if we have not committed ourselves to Christ. Our hearts will always find a God substitute somewhere. And so the gospel at the cross... We see the ugliness, the horror, the brutality. But in that moment, we see the love of God manifested in a way that we have never seen before. But we also see God's wrath being poured out at the same time. Here at the cross, we see the seriousness of sin. And we see the beauty of grace. Here at the cross, we see judgment and grace mingled together for the entire world to see. Here at the cross, when we come to this cross, we either come surrendering to grace or we walk away under its judgment. And this becomes dangerous. It becomes offensive to a world that doesn't like this demand, that doesn't like this challenge. The way of the cross demands that we see our sin. At the cross, our rebellious hearts are exposed. God loves us. And that is the message of the gospel. God loves us, but he will not leave us where we are. God loves us, but he's not expecting us to stay in the position and condition that we find ourselves in. This nice, sweet, meek and mild Jesus that the world pictures for us now calls all to come and take up our cross daily and follow him. This Jesus who died, who went to the cross, who is our example of what it means to live a sacrificial life, has now called all, if you want to follow me, then take up your cross daily 
and follow me. The message of the cross is to come and die so that we may experience the same power of the resurrection that Jesus did. This is offensive. This is dangerous. The way of the cross is the way of repentance. It's recognizing our sinful condition and turning to the risen Savior to redeem us. We want people to tell us how good we are. We want people to tell us how fine we are. We want, Jesus, we want people to tell us how okay we are. But the gospel begins actually with bad news. We're broken. We're lost. We are sinful. And we are in need of a Savior. And the only way to His salvation is through recognition of where we stand before God and turn to Him in trust and repentance. That's the way of the cross. The way of the cross is exclusive. The Bible tells us that there is no other way to be saved. There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. The gospel tells us that Jesus is not one of the ways. He is the only way. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. This message of exclusivity says that it is open to all, but it must be entered in by the way of the cross. It must be entered in through repentance and turning from sin. It must be entered in by placing trust in a risen, conquering Jesus. The way of the cross is the way of suffering. There's a lot of us as, as Christians, many times we don't like to hear this message, especially as faith people. We think that we're not supposed to go through anything. We're not supposed to go through any hard times. But for a matter of fact, it, it only takes a, a perusing of the Bible to recognize that Christianity knows that its adherents are not exempt from suffering. We're not exempt from heartache. We're not exempt from pain. But only Christianity proclaims a God who came and shared in our suffering and shared in our pain to give us strength to trust Him through it. If there's any message that we have to recognize and remind us of during this coronavirus is the fact that we are not exempt from a broken, messed up, chaotic world. That we are all affected by this fallen mess But God is not distant. He is not far away. He is a God that entered into our pain, that entered into our hurt. He is a God that has shown us that because He has suffered, that we have the strength now to make it through every issue, every pain, every heartache. May this time remind you, folks, that sometimes faith requires us to go through hard times. It's easy to rejoice when everything's going wonderful. But the cross reminds us that God came and shared in our suffering. And the way of the cross is not about comfort or safety. It calls us to total commitment. It calls us to boldness and courage in the face of persecution and trials. It calls us to rejoice in the midst of inconveniences and in the midst of ups and downs of life. Sometimes it gets... Aggravating, we have a lot of Christian phrases that we use. Things like, rejoice. Things like, have faith in God. You know, God is working on our behalf. We say things like that and they become very Christianized. We even say things that are not even biblical. Like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Yes. Yes, he does. (laughs) There are many things in our lives that I can't handle. That's why I need God. That's why I need the power of Christ. That's why I need 
His love and grace. I can't handle my sin. I can't do anything about it. I need Jesus. But the life is not about comfort and safety. Unfortunately, in our westernized view of Christianity, we've kind of lost that realization that we feel as though safety is somehow our right or that comfort is somehow our right. God said, woe unto them who are at ease in Zion. There comes a time in our lives when we realize that God is going to stir us. Paul said, all those who live godly lives will suffer persecution. That's what the Bible says. We can confess all we want around it, but the fact of the matter is, we're going to go through battles. We're going to go through hard times. And the way of the cross is not about comfort or safety. It's about a total commitment. And many times, this is why people recoil from this message. You're calling me to give up things to follow after Christ. You're calling me to live a life that is radically different. Yes, that's the call of the gospel. And we recoil from this message. It's too demanding. It's too exclusive. It's too inconvenient. It's too intolerant. And because of this, many people are therefore ashamed. I'm ashamed of this message. But for those who have experienced the power of this message, it is a rescue story. Because on the other side of the cross is a resurrection. It is a life of peace as a result of grace. Peace with God. Peace in the midst of tragedy and uncertainty. Peace when the world is hiding in fear. It is a life of purpose and meaning and fulfillment and deep soul-satisfying hope. It is defined as joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is freedom. It is hope. It is a life of a conqueror, the life of an overcomer, the life of a victor. It is a healing for what is broken and deliverance from what binds us. It is the gateway to a relationship with God. The power of the gospel turns us from strangers to children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. It what makes our hearts prepared to be the temple of God through the Holy Spirit. The message of the gospel is not a message that leaves us in pain and heartache, but lifts us up to our purpose and life that fills us with His grace and with His joy unspeakable and full of glory. If this is not the life that we are experiencing, we need to experience the resurrection. We need to experience the gospel. The gospel is not something that we adhere to in our minds, in our heads. It's not something that we tip our hat to and say, well, I agree with that. It's not a message that tells us these are the things you must do in order to have this. It's a message that says because of grace, because of what Christ has done, because of what the cross has done, because of the resurrection, I have been made a child of God without anything I have ever done, without anything I have ever added to it. But because of the blood of Jesus, I have been set free from that which destroys my life. I have been set free from that which poisons and drains everything that is beautiful in my life. And I have been placed into the purpose and the plan of God. And Folks, this is a message that we should not be ashamed of. This is a message for which we will not apologize. I believe the church has been intimidated for too long, knocked back on our heels, sometimes even cowardly. We've become cowardly because the more and more of the gospel message is resisted by the world around us, the more and more the church grows quiet. But I believe that we're not supposed to leave this planet quietly. I think we're supposed to leave this planet loudly. I want people to know that we have been here. We don't have to live intimidated. 
We don't have to come with our hand out saying, I'm, I'm sorry that this is what the gospel says. I'm sorry that this seems so demanding. I'm sorry that this means that you must deal with your sin. I have no apologies. No apologies. This is the message of the gospel. But this is life eternal. This is abundant life. This is life that comes from Christ himself. We don't have to stay this way of fear. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says this, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. If you read the book of Acts, their message is about boldness. If you look especially at Acts chapter 4, their message is about boldness. In Acts chapter 4 is when they, they preached the gospel. In, in Acts chapter 3, the, the man at the beautiful gate was healed and the disciples were beaten for the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they came back rejoicing that they were found worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus Christ. They were rejoicing. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't rejoicing in line at Kroger. But the disciples were rejoicing that they received persecution for the name of Jesus Christ. No apologies. No excuses. No shame. No, no shame. They don't care. They've seen a resurrected Jesus. They've seen a resurrected Christ. And that changes everything. You can't go back to the way things were. Once you've seen a man brutally shredded and died on a cross and then came back to life three days later and then ascended into heaven and then had the Holy Spirit poured out from heaven, you can't go back to the way things used to be. Everything has changed. And I make no apologies for it. I'm not who I used to be. The righteous are as bold as a lion. You know what's awesome about that phrase, that we are as bold as a lion? Folks, we serve a lion. We serve the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Bible says. And his roar is just as powerful today as it was when he walked upon this planet, even more powerful. The Bible says that because we believe him, because there is such a great number of us following after Christ, greater works will we do because he has gone to the Father. Greater works will we do because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Jesus said, it is expedient, it is good for you that I go away, because if I don't go, the Spirit cannot come. That is so, it's, un, it's, it's hard for us to understand that we are actually closer to Jesus now than when he was walking physically upon this earth. Because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit, Christ lives in us the hope of glory. Amen. That lion, that roar lives on the inside of us. In the, in the Chronicles of Narnia, in the book, The, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, by C.S. Lewis, uh, Mr. V- Beaver's having a conversation with the children. They have just came through, and they have just entered the land of Narnia. And Mr. Beaver is explaining to him Aslan. And as we know, Aslan is a picture of Christ. And Mr. Beaver says to them, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mr. Beaver said, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. Folks, this lion is not tame. This lion is not tame. This lion can't be kept down. This lion cannot be shut up. 
And he has called us to join him in his roar. The roar of the gospel. The roar of a message that needs no apology. This message does not need to be quiet during this time. It needs to be louder than it's ever been. When we are serving the Lord. When we are following his call in our lives. When we are doing the obviously right and biblical and Christ-honoring thing. When we are advancing the gospels. The gospel message. And when we have decided to live holy in an unholy world, make no apologies. Because we are different. And we're meant to be. We are meant to be. You are meant to be different. Paul said, I have been separated unto the gospel of God. I've meant to be different. The reason why the message of the gospel is so powerful is because the world is falling apart. Because the world is broken. Because it's such a chaotic mess. This is not the last pandemic. This is not the last economic crisis. This is not the last emotional breakdown. The world is spinning into chaos. But the gospel speaks into this reality. And points us to the ultimate cure. And we make no apologies for its message. And so as I close out here this morning. I encourage you speak this truth in love. Because it's too important not to. It's too important not to. C.S. Lewis, yet again, said to us that God shouts to us in our pain. It is God's megaphone to arouse a sleeping world. So as we're going through some inconveniences and some issues in our lives, battles are coming. Spiritual battles are coming. We have to recognize that God is still shouting his gospel message. Now, as we say, speaking the truth in love, it's not our calling to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. There are a lot of people that act like shock jock, that they feel the need to say the most outrageous and craziest things so they can get attention. This is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about love. The gospel, yes, is about Grabbing the attention of many people as we possibly can. But the gospel is always about truth and love. But I do challenge you that during these times, cling to the gospel. The Bible says that Jesus is the anchor for our soul. Proclaim the gospel. Live the gospel. And don't be ashamed of this gospel. Where is God in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our heartache? The answer is always the cross. Where is God when we are going through hard times in our lives? The answer is always the cross. Look at the cross. God is not distant. God is not far away. God has entered into our pain. God has entered into our hurt. And because of this, he gives us the strength to live victoriously through it in Jesus' name. I want to pray with you here this morning that God would bless you and that God would encourage you to be the people that God has called you to be. The gospel message still changes lives, will continue to still change lives. So cling to that gospel. Share that truth. Live that truth. It will change you. It will change your family. It will change your family tree if you will continue to walk in the power of the gospel. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you. For every uh, eye and ear that has joined us today on Facebook Live, I pray, and those that will watch it at a later time, I ask in Jesus' name 
that you would encourage them and bless them, that you would strengthen them by your grace, that you would fill them with your power, with your Holy Spirit. I pray you would give them peace. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you are turning things for our good. We pray for those who are going through a really hard time during this time. It's easy for us many times to say, just rejoice and and get over it. But, Lord, there are a lot of folks that are hurting financially. They're hurting psychologically and emotionally. And I just ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bring peace and healing. That, God, you would show your provision and your hope for those who need you the most. God, we're asking you to bring an end to to this tragedy that is taking place in the name of Jesus Christ. And may your gospel always be preached with power and authority. We will cling to that message. We will cling to it with all of our hearts because we believe it's true and we believe it still changes lives. So thank you in Jesus' name for hearing our prayers. Touch those that need you the most. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We hope to see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here on Facebook Live. Check out our Facebook page and see some devos throughout the week. I know you'll be blessed by them. God bless you in Jesus' name.